Hi, I'm Serena Lowe. If you're used to hearing that introverts are shy, anxious, antisocial, and lack good communication and leadership skills, then this podcast is for you. You're about to fall in love with a calm, introspective, and profound person that you are. Discover what's fun, unique, and powerful about being an introvert, and how to make the elegant transition from quiet achiever to quiet warrior in your life and work, anytime you want, in more ways than you imagined possible. Welcome. Welcome to episode 24 of the Quiet Warrior podcast. Today's topic is about shame. We want to go into the shame of being shy, sensitive, socially anxious, and how that affects the way we present ourselves to the world in our relationships, in our networking, in career and business contexts. So what is shame? According to the dictionary, shame is a pervasive, negative, emotional state, usually originating in childhood, marked by chronic self-approach and a sense of personal failure. So the key word here is personal. It's about me. There is something wrong with me. Or as Brene Brown puts it, shame drives two beliefs. You're never good enough. And who do you think you are? Now, there is a difference between shame and guilt. One is focused on self and the identity, and the other one is focused on behavior. So guilt has more to do with, I did something bad. Therefore, there is a separation between me, the person, and what I did. Shame is focused on the self and your identity. That is, that I am bad. I'm a bad person, a bad human being. Now, shame is also associated with vulnerability and weakness. And it's why we don't talk so much about it. So how, are, how does shame show up in your life as an introvert or a shy, sensitive, socially anxious person? Let's ask ourselves, why is there still shame around being quiet, not enjoying parties, preferring our own company? When did introversion become associated with inadequacy, given that up to 40% of the population are introverts? Why is there still a need to apologize or justify or explain our tendency to talk little, selectively socialize, not show our feelings or show them too much, to say what we think, to prefer remote or hybrid working to being in the office, to not want to go to the office party, or to hang out with colleagues for Friday night drinks? How is it that we don't see extroverts being asked why they are so noisy or why they talk so much? So there seems to be this imbalance of perception that loud is good and loud is confident and quiet and soft is weak. So I invite you to think back to your earliest childhood experiences and how the adults around you responded each time you demonstrated or vocalized shyness or a preference to be by yourself. When you were reluctant to talk to the auntie or uncle at the family gathering or to be hugged by some distant relative because you weren't comfortable and your parent apologized on your behalf or laughed it off or scolded you for being rude and disrespectful. When you tried to hide during large noisy family gatherings to get away with your book and you got made fun of or put in the spotlight. 
can you resonate with some of these cultural and gender norms and stereotypes? When boys are noisy and rough with each other, it's put down to high spirits, or boys will be boys, and the adults laugh it off. But the important thing is, it's acceptable. Boys are encouraged to speak up, to be physically active. Sometimes they get to eat first. They get priority in education and career options, and their views somehow carry more weight. On the other hand, boys who are quiet, timid, sensitive, not physically strong or active, interested in cerebral pursuits rather than sports, who are less assertive in their speech and demeanor, who prefer getting along and having peace to being in conflict, may be seen as weak or nerdy and liable to be bullied at school. And what about girls? Girls, when they are compliant and quiet and smiling. Don't talk excessively. Don't contradict the elders openly, or express their opinions too forcefully. They are praised as good girls, well-behaved, knowing their place at home and in society. They are seen to be meeting the standard of what it means to be feminine. That this is how girls should be. Think of Meg and Amy in Little Women. And then we have girls who have strong opinions, who are unafraid to say what they want, who speak loudly and assertively. Who enjoy being the leader, enjoy horsing around with the brothers, or engaging in physical activities and sports, and they are seen as tomboys, as somehow less feminine, and told to tone it down. Think of Joe in Little Women. So, yes, these are stereotypes, and yes, in some ways, we are moving past these sorts of behaviors and beliefs in families. But there are still many parts of the world, many parts of society, where these Biases are unquestioned and they are accepted. And Brene Brown talks about the gendered nuances of shame. Shame for women looks like this web of unattainable, conflicting, competing expectations about who we are supposed to be. And shame for men do not be perceived as weak. So think about how this shows up at school for the introvert. When you were asked your opinion in class and you stayed quiet because you weren't sure if you had the right answer, or maybe you were still thinking. When you were roughly treated by your playmates and felt upset, but they said it was just a joke and why are you so sensitive? When the class was too noisy and you couldn't think properly, when the teacher suddenly called your name and you froze and your mind went blank, or that one time you went outside your comfort zone and did something different or brave and it backfired on you. So these are all things that can cause someone who is shy, socially anxious, introverted, sensitive to question themselves. So instead of looking outwards to what's wrong with them, for some reason we turn it inwards and ask ourselves, "What's wrong with me? I wish I were more like them. Why do I feel so much? Or in some cases, why do I feel so little?" I need to toughen up. Why is it so hard for me to make friends and to fit in? Instead of thinking I don't belong because I'm not like them and I don't like what they do, and I don't like what they do with their time. So it's interesting that the focus becomes one of self-reproach, and that's where shame comes in. And we think perhaps that being mature adults now, perhaps we've moved past all that and that's behind us, but. Trauma has a way of following us, and so does shame. 
And these same patterns can show up in all sorts of ways. As a parent, for instance, parenting is, can be a mental and emotional minefield for all kinds of guilt and shame. For instance, if you've grown up in a conservative family with rules about how kids should be raised and now live in a different environment with more permissive values, there can be a values clash between old and new, between how you were raised and how you're raising your kids and how that reflects on you as a parent and as a member of your family of origin. You also need to make room for processing your feelings. How you felt at 6 or at 12 years old may not be the same as how you feel now as an adult looking back through very different lenses. So, when your child does poorly at school or doesn't have friends, when your child fails to get the scholarship or award, when your child gets bullied or is accused of being disruptive in class, when your child has learning difficulties and can't keep up, when your child rebels against attending mother tongue classes anymore, when your child shows no interest in sports or any extracurricular activities and doesn't seem to have any special talents worth bragging about, when your child decides that they no longer want to attend church with a family, does that make you a bad parent or just a parent who is consciously choosing a different way to parent? When you're stressed out and impatient with your child and they are acting out or they shut you out because you're so busy with your career and all the other commitments you're juggling and you feel like everything's on you and there isn't enough time in the day to do everything you want to do. Are you a bad parent or just a parent who is doing your best given the circumstances you are in? And can you see how easy it can be to feel shame over things we have no control over and are not responsible for? How about shame at work? Shame can show up in the way we project ourselves at work and as aspiring business owners. You think there's something wrong with you because people say you're too quiet in meetings, or you see the more vociferous ones get praised for their ideas, while other quiet colleagues are overlooked or passed over for promotion. Maybe you hide your opinions and your expertise, or reject an opportunity to lead a project because you believe you're not good enough. Or as a business owner, perhaps you avoid telling people about your product or service because you are afraid they might question your credentials or your right to do this. You avoid questions about what problem you solve, who you help, why you love what you do, what's great about your product or service. Because deep down, you actually don't feel like a real business owner or a successful person. This is the classic imposter syndrome that everyone experiences even successful people who have made it. And yet for some reason it becomes a source of shame that we are not yet where we want to be and so there must be something wrong with us, that we're not good enough. Maybe you feel guilty asking for the sale or charging money for your work and time or asking others to work with you or refer you and so your business stagnates. Recently I watched a TED Talk by Sue Bryce who talked about how her parents lost their business because her dad could not ask for money. And that one really touched me because I know so many business owners who feel the same way. Now what Brene says is that shame needs three things to grow. Secrecy, silence and judgment. So what if we replace secrecy and hiding with light? 
for instance, bringing to light your vision, your gifts, your stories, and your skills? What if we replace silence with talking? Talking about why you do what you do, how you do it, who it serves, or adding your voice to a movement or a cause, or giving voice to someone else's struggles. And what if we replace judgment with empathy and compassion, starting with yourself? Brene Brown calls empathy the antidote to shame and says that the two most powerful words when we are in struggle are me too. But back to what Sue Bryce said about not being able to ask for money. She asked her mom why she and her dad had never thought of going into business. And her mom's answer was, yes, we did, but we lost the business. Your dad couldn't ask for money. And that was a pivotal moment for Sue because it helped her understand why she was struggling in her own business. And as she puts it, I could not sell my own work. I could not ask for money equal to my value. It gave me physical and emotional pain to put myself out there, to put my work out there. And I think there are business owners here who will relate to this, whether aspiring or established. You will know exactly what Sue meant and how that feels. So for those of us who struggle with self-worth, with a dilemma of wanting to be seen yet wanting to hide, with a fear of judgment and scrutiny that comes with putting yourself and your work out there, living daily with uncertainty and risk and the possibility of failure, choosing the road less traveled and the non-linear, non-traditional path to your own definition of success, fulfillment and purpose, fearing that we are not good enough, not entrepreneurial enough, not savvy enough, feeling ashamed because we haven't yet achieved the level of success expected of us. If this is you, perhaps we need to go deep and ask ourselves some searching questions. When did we learn to be ashamed of ourselves and to believe that we are not good enough? When did we internalize the belief that if we don't succeed quickly or in a way that is externally applauded, it means we are not good enough? Where can we find evidence that success comes in many forms? What is our definition of a well-lived life that we can be proud of and grateful for and excited about? And when we go deep enough, we discover that it comes down to how we value ourselves and our worth. When our self-value or self-worth is low, we are unable to separate who we are from what we do and what we achieve. We believe that our value is tied to our possessions, our status, our job title, our bank balance, our social status the size of our network or following, how others esteem us and talk about us. And we fail to question if these assumptions are correct or whether they are adding life to us. But when our self-value or self-worth is high, we see ourselves as givers and makers and conduits of value. We see ourselves as talented and creative and resourceful, as people who have something to give to the world, something to contribute. And our identity shifts along with our self-perception and our energy, which then flows into how we project and present ourselves in the world and how we talk about our passions, our projects and our purpose. We are no longer helpless or disempowered because we are equal givers and recipients in a universal exchange of energy and ideas and value. So how does an introvert or a shy or sensitive or socially anxious person move past shame and back into power. 
it starts with doing the deep inner work of healing and accepting all the versions of you, including those versions that experienced an internalized shame and believed that you did not deserve goodness and abundance. This inner work is, a, is the work of a lifetime. It requires radical self-acceptance, self-compassion, self-forgiveness, trust, and surrender. And as you learn to release the old stories and the old energies, and to give yourself permission to receive abundantly, without guilt, shame, or fear, as you keep using and sharing and polishing the gifts you have been given, this is how you honor your value, by serving others with your gifts. Or as Sue Bryce puts it, you cannot create abundance without self-worth. Money follows value and success follows self-worth. Abundance is not a metric for good and bad. It's a metric for worthy and worthless. So that means there is good news. We can break the cycle. And breaking the cycle means fully accepting our current reality, taking responsibility for what you have, taking back full ownership of every area of your life and learning a new way of presenting yourself to the world. Imagine if you could walk into a room so filled with value to give, so excited about being there, so grateful for the opportunities that you can do so in equal exchange. So in this episode, we've talked about what shame is, how it shows up in our personal and professional capacities how it can be traced back to past experiences and childhood traumas and others' perceptions and judgment of the gap between the way we are and the way we should be because of the dominant values and beliefs of our culture. We've also talked about some ways to accept and heal our shame by replacing the secrecy, the silence and the judgment which perpetuate shame with their counterparts of light, voice and empathy. As a wise 16-year-old told me, some people are healers. They work from behind to support the people in front. And some people are warriors. They stand on the front lines just behind the tanks and protect everyone else. There is no shame in being one of those in the rear, out of the spotlight, standing ready with open arms to receive the weary and wounded, to give care and respite, to comfort, to encourage, to listen, to prop up, to heal and to strengthen. And this is what introverts naturally do. So whatever you are naturally wired to do and drawn to do, whatever you are gifted and endowed and equipped to do, go and do that thing wholeheartedly. Let that be your pride and your honor. And let your encounter with shame be your turning point, your invitation to rewrite your old identity of not good enough and replace it with a new story, a new identity of I am enough. See you in the next episode. I'm so grateful that you're here today. If you found this content valuable, please share it on your social media channels and subscribe to the show on your favorite listening platform. Together, we can help more introverts thrive. To receive more uplifting content like this, connect with me on Instagram at Serena Lowe, Quiet Warrior Coach. Thank you for sharing your time and your energy with me. See you on the next episode.